Open our Bibles again to 2 Kings chapter 19, and interesting story here in the Word of God, and we read really the back end of it as Hezekiah seeks the Lord, but um, what we're going to talk about is probably in, in his regard really a, a bit of an understatement, but I think something that we all deal with, you know, we all deal with stressful situations at times. And I don't think there's anyone here that could say they've never been stressed in their lives. Um, if that's you, you probably should be up here preaching instead of me. But we've all dealt with stressful situations, and some were, were put in that you know, situation without us really expecting it. And I remember uh, one time I was, uh, we were still just, sort of just finished high school, and uh, when I was that age, we, we owned a, a, a van. It was a Toyota Light Ace, all right? My parents owned that, and that was our family car. And it was a reliable thing over the years, but it had gotten to the, you know, to, to the end bit of the, its life, I guess. And one morning, we were, I was up early. I had to drive my sister Irene to work. And I was in the car just driving. I was a P-plater, and I had to get him to work at a certain time. And, you know, we had gotten up a little late that morning, and so we were already running a little bit behind, a little already somewhat on edge about the fact that we needed to get from one place to the next. And by the way, context, we were in Sydney, so Sydney traffic, all right? And um, so we were over there and, and driving, and, you know, I'd taken this, this same route, oh, at least 50 times already. And I was driving that morning, and, and, you know, Irene was in the car with me, and I think actually my sister Joanne as well. They both worked at a, at a cafe about half an hour away, and there we were driving, and I had gone through this, this same route over and over again, and, you know, I was driving a little quicker than I probably should have, if I can admit that, and, and I was driving, and we got to a certain uh, place where there's a roundabout that sort of doesn't... It's, it's, not one of, it's one of those where you know it, you go through it and you just sort of take it for granted it's there. So there I was just driving and, you know, again, we were a little on edge already and they were sort of blaming me, I was blaming them, you know, how siblings go. And we, I turned around and suddenly we were, we were careening into, off the road and we're all yelling and screaming, ah, and we didn't know what was happening. The car was spinning and spinning and we were heading for a, a, a metal fence. And, you know, we were stressed to the max. And, and, and you know, gladly the, the vehicle stopped. And what it was, the, um, the tires had gotten bald and there was a bit of an oil slick on the road. And I had gone through and we sat there and, you know, not on edge anymore. We were totally stressed. <laughs> we were breathing heavily and we didn't know what to do. And it just hit us. We, we weren't expecting it. And you know, often stressful situations are like that, but a lot more serious. You know, things come out of nowhere, and, and suddenly there's a real stressful moment there, and, and we, all, uh, we all understand what stress can do. And, you know, while some stressful situations aren't as serious as others, uh, they all have a way of showing us how spiritual we truly are. And, you know, stressful situations reveal at times a true condition of our hearts, uh, Author Jim Berg, he was a, he's a well-known Christian counselor, once likened these situations to hot water moments where 
He said, you go through stressful moments, it's like a tea bag going into the hot water. And in that moment, the tea bag releases the true flavor that's, that's already in there. And when we go through moments that cause us stress, we have a choice really at that point of, of trusting God or having our confidence shaken. And what we see here is really the, what, what happened in the life of Hezekiah. Look, if you quickly go back to Hezekiah chapter 18, just the previous chapter, sorry, 2 Kings Hezekiah. Some of you turned. <laughs> Second Kings, here I go, chapter 19. Uh, and then look at chapter 18 now. And notice verse 19, what happened. So the king of Syria sends a messenger. Suddenly this, this Assyrian army, which had laid waste to other cities and nations in its path, had appeared at the doorstep of the king here of, of Israel and here in verse 19, the messenger comes, and Rabshakeh said unto them, Speak ye now to Hezekiah, thus saith the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this wherein thou trusted? And he was, he was he's questioning the confidence that the people had in, in God, in their king Hezekiah, and he, he was simply coming to the door with a threat. Talk about a stressful situation. Now, verse 27, but Rabshakeh said unto them, Hath my master sent me to thy master and to thee to speak these words? Hath he not sent me to the men which sit on the wall that they may uh, eat their own, own dung? And, and he's threatening them. Then, Hezekiah, uh, then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language and spake, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus saith the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. He's saying, you better tell your king just to simply surrender because there's no, he, the, the things that you're going to do, there's no match for the army that we have. And, and the reality was, that was it. It, it was true. This was, this, was a, this was an army that, if you read through history, had laid waste. And here was Hezekiah looking them in the eye with a letter sent from the, the very messenger of the king with the very threat. And here he was in a stressful situation. And I think that we can learn somewhat a little bit of what we can do and how to handle that. And, and I hope that, you know, again, it's not like we're always in a stressful situation. It's not like we're always. And I'm glad for that, aren't you? But at times, those are actually some moments where we can learn some things. And so we're going to look in the scripture this morning, observe Hezekiah about handling stressful situations. Let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless our time. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity now to open your word and learn from a, a moment in history where there was a re very real threat there, a very real situation that got out of hand. And Father, if we're, we're honest this morning, there's many times where we face that in, in different ways. But Lord, certainly there's, there's just that element in our humanity where we face things that are stressful and things that really in, in our own power we can't control. And Father, we pray that you would help us even as we open your word to, to just learn and glean. And then, Lord, to apply it as we, we go through this life, knowing that all in all you're, you're working in it, Lord, for, Lord for, your, for your glory, for our good. So I pray that you'd help us this morning as we open your word. In Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. 
So notice verse 1 here in, in chapter 19. And so now this is after the fact. He'd gotten the letter. He'd gotten this, this threat from this, uh, this Assyrian army, this Assyrian king. And notice what happens in, in verse 1. And it came to pass when King Hezekiah heard it that he rent his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. You know, um, sometimes when we go through situations, we sometimes look at it and we wish it, we try to just wish it away. We sometimes lock ourselves up and try to ignore the situation. But here Hezekiah recognized it for what it was. He understood that this was a real thing and uh, this was a, a cultural way of mourning. He, he rent his clothes, that means he ripped it and he covered himself with sackcloth and it was a position of humbling. He understood the, the fact that he really couldn't do much about it. He understood that he was in a position now where he was vulnerable, and he, he understood that. And, and yet, sometimes when we are in those situations, what stress can do is it sort of clouds our judgment. It sort of helps us not comprehend everything that is true and real. And, and that's what happened uh, happens often at times. Uh, think about uh, the the psalm here in Psalm 107, and so quickly turn there with me. We'll turn to a couple of different uh, parts of Scripture this morning. And I think about the, the psalmist, how he's, he's really thinking about a situation that he's, it's out of his control. And notice there he says in verse 23, They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. So he's likening it to someone that's gone into the, the depths of the ocean, and he says, For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. So there's, a, there's, a, there's those stormy winds that have come. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul, notice this, is melted because of trouble. I wonder if you ever found yourself in that situation where you've heard some news or you've been presented a situation that's been so stressful, you feel like you're, you're melting in the midst of that trouble. And they reel, the Bible says, to and fro and stagger like a drunken man. And, and notice this, and, and we often can say this about ourselves, and are at their wit's end. You ever been there? You ever been in a situation you're at your wit's end? Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And he bringeth them out of their distresses. Thank the Lord for that. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves are over still. But you know, when you're in a situation like that, it sounds like, sometimes feels like when you're trying to go against the waves and you're sort of turned upside down and you don't feel like, you, you know, the right way up and you're sort of just tumbling along in life and you feel way out of control. But that's the reality. And sometimes you just can't, can't comprehend where you're at. And, you know, when we find ourselves in stressful situations, you know, the reality is we aren't always the best judge of the seriousness and the reality of the situation. And sometimes we've just got to take stock of what the reality is. We've got to take stock. And, and the great thing about this is as believers... We're not left to our own. There's always a greater perspective at hand. You know, I think sometimes we can just rely on what we see and, and sort of rely on the, the, the things before us. But actually, the, the life of faith is a life of greater perspective. The life of faith is not 
a sight life, it's a faith life, it dwells in the invisible things of life. And, and so we've got to take stock that way. And I think sometimes how we see a stressful moment or situation isn't often how God sees it. And I think about the, the situation here, if you turn with me to John chapter 18. John chapter 18, and keep your finger there in, in 2 Kings, but John chapter 18, and notice here a, a situation that we're fairly familiar with. It's the betrayal. Jesus and his disciples are in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Judas the betrayer comes. And here he's seeking Jesus. He's betrayed him now. He's been paid the 30 pieces of silver. And notice verse 4 with me, and we'll read down to verse 11. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? He knew. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon as the, then, as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled, which he spake of them, which thou gavest me, have I lost none. But notice the other characters there, and often we look at the first one to respond and react is often Simon Peter, isn't it? And we see again, then Simon Peter, notice this, having a sword, drew it, and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink? He said, this is, this is actually, Peter, you're not understanding. So Peter would do perhaps some, what we would normally do. We'd try to take matters in our own, own hands, grab the bull by the horn, so to speak. In this case, grab the sword and cut off the guy's ear. And, and there he goes, and, and he's, he's fighting. And Jesus had to give him a, a greater perspective. He, he said, no, no, this is part of God's plan. No, no, this is actually part of, part of what he had for me and he had to understand, you know, I have to see it from God's perspective at times. And actually what Jesus was saying was actually this is a stepping stone to my glory. This is part of God's plan for my life and this is, you ought not to fight that. You ought not to, to take the matters in, our, in, in, in your own hands and, and you ought to trust that God actually has not lost control. Because the reason often why we're stressed about a situation is we've lost control. We've lost the handle of things. It seems to be that we just can't solve the situation and suddenly, who's got control? And you know, the happy answer for us as believers is this, God's still in control. He's still the one. And actually, whilst things are, seem to be going wrong, actually, this, God's still the one who, above it all, has a handle on the situation. And sometimes in our comprehension of things, we've got to remind ourselves that, that God doesn't always see it the way we see it. That actually God sees it from His perspective and He's still mighty. He's still in control and we say He's still on the throne. And we've got to look and understand that actually we don't have to lose control. 
But, you know, sometimes we've just got to see the stressful situation the way a godly man sees it. And in 2 Samuel now, turn with me, 2 Samuel, we see a situation in David's life. 2 Samuel chapter 16. And really, David is on the run. He had been betrayed. He, Mephibosheth and Absalom had had betrayed him, the, the son of his former enemy Saul, who he was kind to. Then we see also Absalom, his own son, trying to, to take the kingdom from him. And no doubt a stressful situation, no doubt a situation where that David felt out of control. And here he was, and what happened? Someone then opposes him in verse 5. When King David came to Bahurim, behold, Thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed still as he came. So it's still the, the family of Saul, and he cast stones at David. And all the servants of King David, all the people, and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, thou man of Belial, all of his accusations. And the Lord hath, and thus said Shimei, all of these, and the Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul. He was blaming him for the situation. In whose stead thou hast reigned, and the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. Boy, some, some really pointed words there. Then Abishai the son of Zeruiah, said unto the king, why, Zeruiah unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. Now, that's a pretty good friend. This was one of David's mighty men, and by the way, he could have done it. And notice the perspective. No, I'm going to cut off someone's, and now not just the ear, the head. <laughs> All right, go for the head, he said. And the king said, What have I to do you, with you, ye sons of Zeruiah? So let him curse. Notice David's perspective. Because the Lord hath said unto him, Curse, David. Who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son, which came forth of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone. Let him curse. For the Lord hath bidden him. Look at the, the, the mindset of David was, God, it's out of my control. It's in God's control. You leave him alone, he said. He said, don't stress about this. You, and he, you could do something about it, and, but leave him alone, he said. And, and we've got to see it sometimes from a godly man's perspective. And, and we have that opportunity at times in our stressful situations to respond in a godly way. And we've got to comprehend all of that. Sometimes all we do is respond and react. And in the moment, without being mindful, we can be fleshly in the way we respond. But what David did, when he saw the bigger picture. And in his most pointed moment here, he has assessed in all reality that something like this God could easily handle. Actually, even in this negative, God was in it and you know, Hezekiah, he understood the reality and so he mourned. He didn't deny it. But he went to the Lord's house and he mourned. And notice the next thing that he did. 
Look at, look at, um, go back to 2 Kings now and look at chapter 19 again. And notice as the story goes. So he goes to the house of the Lord. He mourns as was appropriate. He understood the gravity of the situation. He understood the seriousness. And he sent Eliakim, which was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and the elders of the priests covered with sackcloth to Uzziah the prophet, the son of Amos. And they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and blasphemy. For the children are come to the birth, and there is not strength to bring forth. It may be the Lord thy God will hear all the words of Rabshakeh, whom the king of Assyria, his master, hath sent to reproach the living God, and will reprove the words which the Lord thy God hath heard. Wherefore, lift up thy prayer for the remnant that are left. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah. So he, he goes through the, the, these people here and he wants to send a message to Isaiah. But, but here's the point I want to make. You know, in, in stressful situations at times, we, can, we need to consider those who are able to help. You know, it's a, it's a fallacy that we have to go through situations on our own. Here he was. He came and Hezekiah, really, he asked for help. He got counsel from others. Uh, the Bible says, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. In Proverbs 24, 6, For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war. And in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And you know what counsel does is it gives you a clearer perspective. Remember I told you in, in stressful situations at times, you're not always the best judge of what's actually happening. You're not always the best judge. You're in the moment. You're in the midst of it. And at times, you're going to need counsel to give you a clear perspective. And sometimes it's counsel from someone who's gone through a similar situation. Maybe it's someone who knows you well and prays for you often, and they understand your heartbeat and how you tick, and they just simply just need to tell you, give you a clear view of what's actually happening. And, you know, sometimes counsel, what it does, it just simply gives you an outside perspective. When you're in the storm, you're not always the best person to sort of go, well, I'm upside down or I'm not. And, you know, there's situations like that. I remember, you know, a couple of years ago, we, you know, things were just going fine, it seemed. And, and suddenly there was just a, a real situation in, in the church I was pastoring there, and it was a really difficult situation. It just came out of nowhere, really. I just would not have predicted it for that year, but it came. And I was just probably my second or third year pastoring, and it was just something I could not handle. It, it plunged me into fits of questioning whether I should actually be in the ministry. It got me to the point I was so discouraged and depressed about it. There was days I couldn't really function. There were days where I was just miserable. There were days I just had no power in me to even go to the office and I was so discouraged. I was so down and depressed about it and I was just going through this, this whole thing and I remember a good friend, Pastor Fisher, who I know we're, hope we're praying for and I, I remember him telling me a couple of years earlier, he's, we were discussing trials and we were discussing, really what we were discussing was midlife. And I told him, you know, we were talking about, so this was a couple of years before, and he said, you know, you're probably going to go through something earlier than most. And I thought, well, I, I don't know what that means, and he didn't tell me what it meant. 
you know, Pastor Fisher just seems to know things, right? And, and he, I remember calling him and, and just sharing my heart and saying, Pastor, I, I'm just so overwhelmed. Pastor, I'm just, I feel like I can't, I, can't, I don't even know how to decide on things right now. I was just broken, and, and I remember him just, just listening. And, and, you know, he started to just speak some perspective. He started to share some things he went through. He, he started to show me a couple of scriptures, and, and one of those I shared with you this morning, Psalm 107, and I'm thankful he came that year, he preached, and he preached a message from that chapter in the scriptures called Going Through the Dolgrams. And it was just like the Lord was using that to just, and the counsel from a, from a good friend. And you know what I needed? I actually didn't need rescuing. I just needed perspective. And, and then others who came along the way. And I'm thankful that over the years, God has given me a, a good number of counselors who just have gone ahead They've just know they've trodden down the path that I'm treading now. And, you know, I, I think at times in, in our stressful situations when we feel like it's out of our control, sometimes can I just say kindly today, there is help for you. But we've got to humble ourselves and go, you know, there's others that can help. There's others that I need to involve. I think about, uh, I think about uh, Esther when she was presented with the situation there and, what did she do? She asked everyone else to fast as long as, as well as her fasting. And she came to that understanding that, look, this is more than I can handle. Let's all bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. And, and I think sometimes you just need to find someone who just is, is mindful of who you are, who's praying for you. I think about Daniel chapter 5, verse 12. I was reading in Daniel this week how for as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called and he will show the interpretation. And if you read that chapter, Daniel's very careful to say, look, I, I have nothing to offer, but I am in touch with God. And I want to tell you that when you go through situations that you can't handle, when there's stressful moments in our lives that we can't seem to find our way out, just get with someone that can get with God. You need to find someone who just has, has a touch of God in their lives. And you need to find someone who loves you and cares about you enough that they pray for you. That they seek God's best for you. And you need to come to them at times and say, would you just simply give me counsel? I remember that time just with, with Pastor Fisher again, our last conversation before he went through all of this. One of the voices I've greatly missed in this whole process of transition here has been Pastor Fisher in my life. And, and you know, I, I just, our last conversation was basically him saying, hey, preacher, I heard that, you know, you've been, and he said, you need to go. <laughs> and that was the last thing he said to me was, you need to go. And he was saying, you need to go to Brisbane. And I just remember just thinking through that and, and the many other times that, that God used others in my life. But, you know, here's what it was. I just asked for help. I asked for counsel. And sometimes we dig our heels in and we say, oh, we'll figure it out. Listen, 
Maybe God has given someone else the wisdom and the counsel that you need to come through that, that situation. And, and yet what we find ultimately is what we read is, is you need to communicate your stresses to God. And I love how he put it. Go, go back to, um, to chapter 19. Look at verse 14. We read it earlier. Because here's the mistake we can make also. We can, we can trust in ourselves and trust in others. But we forget that the greatest resource we have is, is really just the fact that we can pray. And in Hezekiah, Hezekiah's life in, in chapter 19 here in verse 14, Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messenger and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord, and I love this, and spread it before the Lord. You know, you imagine, um, you imagine a roll of butcher paper that kids draw on, and imagine he just rolled it out. <laughs> imagine having that, that piece of paper folded, and he just sort of spread it out on his table. And it was all, uh, it's almost symbolic of the fact that he's let this go, but he's placing it in God's hand. You know, he, he spread it out. And how many times where, where we just need to spread out the, the reality of our situation and give it before the Lord, and you need to communicate your stresses to our God. But here's, here's the thing. Hezekiah already had a prayer life. You know, sometimes we get caught in the moment, and, and that's when you wish you had a prayer life. You know, what, what prayer ought to be Prayer should be a regular joy, not only a momentary alarm. It should be a regular joy. You should be in the habit of not just a prayer time, having a prayer life. You know, be, be uh, pray without ceasing. That, that's, that's really an imperative for our lives to have a prayer life. And so often we just treat God like an emergency button. But what we're supposed to have a prayer life, it ought to be a regular joy. I think about, again, David, it was, as he was fleeing from, uh, from Absalom in Psalm 3, he, he speaks about crying out to God. But you know what? There was a familiarity. And too many times we wait until there's an emergency when God's always been there. Just, just come to Him regularly and then in those moments you know how to get to Him. And you know, prayer should be an ordinary course. Not only an emergency exit. And too many times we, we treat God like He's just an emergency only kind of God. But actually the best preparation for that is practice. You know why you do fire drills? Because in the fire, you better know where to go. <laughs> you know why you go through all of those, those things? Because there's a, there should be a practice in your mind about how to do something in case of emergency. And that's what prayer should be. It should be a regular practice. It should be a regular joy. It should be a regular course that we take. And that's the thing about Hezekiah. He was just in the habit of it. And so to do this, to spread it out and to pray this way was not just, just because he was in a moment like that. No, because he was already in the practice of it. You know, I think about one of our young ladies who grew up over at our church there, and she got, she was dating a guy who visited in Sydney a couple of years before, and he lived in Canada, and he called me a couple of months before he was wanting to propose, and he said, I'm going to propose to her, and here's the plan, 
um, we're going to meet in the Philippines. So she's originally from the Philippines and said, I'm going to pop the question there. Now, the context is, is it was just before COVID and all that. So borders were about to shut. So he, he popped the question, got on a plane. She missed her flight and got stuck in the Philippines for a year. So here they were engaged. Now, she was on a, she, she didn't have a permanent visa here. She had a student visa, so it was going to be difficult. So we had been praying for her. We were brokenhearted for her. The, the most joyful day of her life was also the day that she got stuck there. And God used her during that time, but I remember she called us because it was getting to that point where she needed to, something needed to happen. And I remember we got a phone call from her. We FaceTimed and sort of wept together at the situation. And some things needed to happen very specifically. So the, the, the specifics was seven days she had to get her passport. And then within three days of that, she needed to get a visa. Because there was a small window of time where she could actually catch a flight from Manila to Canada. But it all had to happen consecutively, not in another order. And I remember we were sitting there, we were on, on a, my iPad, we were just sort of talking through, and she was just asking me, what do I do, Pastor? And this verse came to me about Ezekiah spreading it out. I said, write down every detail, and here's what I want you to do. And I said, go on your table, your desk in your room, and just spread it out. I said, just spread it, and you pray, and, then, and I said, we will pray, we'll fast with you. And we prayed together, and you know what? It was just a miracle. She, she came to that, to that where she needed to get her passport. And, you know, normally that place is closed at that day. It was open that day. Normally it takes 14 days to get a passport. She got it on the day. Three days later, she went to the, the, another thing. She needed to just get a stamp for her visa. You know what happened? Stamp done. And then, you know, what else happened? Somehow she got the money and she got, and she got married and no one of her family, she got married. And I just, I look at that and I look at that whole thing and it was, you know, it wasn't us, it was God. <laughs> but God, God knows and he, she spread out. You know, here's what we do sometimes, we unfold half, but the rest, oh, we can take care of that, Lord. Oh, we'll, we'll do that part, Lord. You do this bit. Listen, you know what Hezekiah did? He spread it out. He, he, she, he just said, look, I can't handle any of it. Lord, you do it. Lord, Lord, you take care of this. Lord, here's the situation in all of its ugliness, in all of its reality, in all of its impossibility, in all of its trouble. And he spread it out. So how many times do we spread it before the Lord and Say, Lord, he is, and by the way, he already knows, right? God's sovereign. God is all-knowing. But there's just that humility to just spread it out before the Lord and give him all of the reality of it. And, you know, God in, in his goodness and because he responds to faith, he looks at that and he says, look, I can take care of that. There's nothing too hard for God. God dwells in that realm of impossibility and what, what Hezekiah did was just simply prayed. He communicated his stresses to God. You know, how quick are we to do that? 
You know, how quick are we? Is, is that our first resort or is it our last resort? Is it your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? Is there any other analogy you can tell me later? But listen, I'm saying it ought to be the priority. And yet at the end, he needed, he needed to commit the outcome to God. Because in verse 19, he says, Now therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. You know, at the end of it, he had to just commit the outcome to our God. You know, I think it's Psalm 37, verse 5, Trust, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And too many times in those, what we want to respond to in those stressful situations is we want to handle it when all reality, let's just comprehend the situation, we can't handle it. That's why we're stressed. That's why it's just so cumbersome. That's why it's so worrying. That's why we're so full of care. And yet, at the end of it, we've got to go, we have a God who we can go to. We have, a, we have those around that can give us perspective and at the end of the day, we can commit it to our God. And by the way, what a great God we have who can handle that situation, who can bring it to pass, who can in all of his sovereignty and his might do what we can't do. And I would rather much have it in God's hand than in my own anyway. And, and there he was, Hezekiah had laid it all out and now it was up to God. And we, we've got to be satisfied in God's directives. I think about the three Hebrew boys in Daniel chapter 3. Quickly turn there and we'll be done. And again, I just love the book of Daniel. I was reading through it this week and was reminded of this story, Daniel chapter 3. Right, The king builds a great statue. When the music plays, everyone's meant to bow. The three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow, Right? And so the penalty for that was to be put in the fiery furnace. Talk about a, a, a stressful situation. In verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true? This is the king of the whole known world. Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods or worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you be ready that at that time, at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, suckbit, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? The arrogance of this king. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Again, this is the king of the whole known world. O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. They say, we're not full of care. <laughs> so we're, we're, this is a, a, a place of courage that they were coming to. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But notice this, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image with that which thou hast set up. You know what they were, they were surrendered to? They were surrendered to God's directive. They, they didn't have a preconceived notion of, no, God must do this. No, they, what it was, it was a dependence and reliance on God. And you know what? At the end of the day, 
We believe and we know from Scripture, we know God can. But we also have to go if God will. And we've got to surrender to that. And we've got to trust that however God wants to deal with it, one, he can. And then at the end of the day, how he deals with it is what's best for us. And it's all going to be for his glory. And no doubt we'll face stressful moments, stressful circumstances. The, the madness of the moment may even cause us to fail in the moment. But I want to encourage you that today that, that you have actually, you have options. And your option is this, you can handle it yourself or you can let God handle it. You can, you can seek for help. You can seek him through prayer. You can seek him through just spreading it before him and say, Lord, here's all it is in all of its complexity, in all of its ugliness, in all of its stressfulness. And Lord, I can't do it, but I know you can. And here I'm trusting you with it. And I, I think there's, there's, there's many here who perhaps they're carrying their stressful moments and it's just, it's just simply before you just to spread it out before God. And God will give you peace and God will give you the strength and God will, in the end, bring it to pass. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the time. Thank you for the opportunity to just open your word and, Lord, learn from this king who probably will face something much more stressful and, Lord, much more consequential than we ever will. And yet, Lord, in those moments, we see that he approached it a certain way. He approached it with a, with a candidness of the reality of the situation. And then, Lord, he faced it with the reality of a great God. And so I'm thankful, dear Lord, that you are our God, that, Father, we can come to you in our moments of Lord, stress and worry and fear. And we can come to you with great confidence because we know who you are. And so we love you, Lord. We thank you. Pray for your, your hand of, of, Lord, just working in the lives of your people today. I pray that you'd help us, Lord God, to just seek you. And Lord, we're just thankful. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to have a time of invitation. The piano is going to begin to play. And I wonder if Today, it would just be a day of just spreading your stress before the Lord. I wonder if there's been too many here that just have been trying to handle it themselves. And, and at the end of the day, they know they can't. And maybe today would be the day you would just come before the Lord here at this altar, there in your seat, and just say, Lord, here it is. In all of its, in all of the impossibility, in all of how, the, the difficulty, and here I just want to lay it out before you. And, I want to invite you to come if that's you. I want to invite you to come and just seek the Lord and give him the, 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 the handle of your situation. And then maybe you're here this morning and maybe just simply the fact you're not saved. If you were to die today, you wouldn't know for sure if, if Jesus is your Savior, if heaven's your home. I want to invite you to come and, and perhaps right here, right now, just come to a knowledge of Jesus as your Savior. I'd implore you not to leave this place without knowing for sure that that's the case. And 
The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die and after this a judgment. And we have no guarantee, but we have a God who loves you and loved you enough that he sent his only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross of Calvary. So why don't you come and just um, and seek him and, and why don't you come have him as your savior today. And so however the Lord leads you as a piano plays, why don't we just seek the Lord today. If you need to spread it out before the Lord, why don't you come and just right here, just say, Lord, here's a situation. I don't know. I don't know how to handle it, but Lord, you do. And I want to trust you. I want to do business with the Lord this morning.